Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm Nick, and I know it sounds pretty glamorous, but this guy knows it's business as usual at Kramerica. He is the captain. And you can call me Asasalese Kramer. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, tonight, and tomorrow, we are drinking Blackberry Days by Anchor Brewing in beautiful San Francisco, California, garage grade, three and a half bottle caps out of five. This is an IPA, so of course, there are some hoppy bitterness here, but the real action happens when the fruit is added during the secondary fermentation. The result is a funky synthesis of rich earth and ripe fruit. And this week's beer was brought to us by these fantastic Garage Army members. First up, we have Tessa from the sweet, sweet land of Athens, Georgia. And a big shout out to Jennifer in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Next, we have a double cheers to Ash and Desiree in Reseda, California. And a big cheers, mates, to Tinley in Bessemer, Alabama. And next, we have Lucy in London, Callie in Singapore, and last but not least, cheers to Ellie, who says she's moving to parts unknown. So thanks, everybody, for filling up the fridge for this week's show. If you want to help us out with next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
Did you ever hit her? Did you ever injure her? No, no. My God, no. Um, violence towards women is unapproachable. It is the most disgusting act to me. Um, and I know that uh, suspicion has turned me. And it's, um, it's turned me, one, because I'm her husband. And that's a natural thing. And um, I, was, I was answered your question because of the suspicion that, that's been turned to me. And it turned to me because of the inappropriate romantic um, uh, that I had with Amber Friday. And yes, he confirmed he did have the affair. Why were you doing it? I, I can't answer. I don't know. That's a, a, a question you should have an answer to. Definitely not. I, I don't know. Were you in love with her? No. I'd have to say that I respect her. And as I imagine everyone does after seeing her come out and do the press conference, an amazing character she has. Was this the first time? Are there others out there? No. There's no one else who can come forward? No. You know, our romantic relationship. And that is a... It, it's inappropriate. It, it was inappropriate. And I owe a tremendous uh, apology to, to everyone, obviously in, including Amber and her family and her friends and, and our families. Uh, it should have been... It should have been brought forth by me immediately, the, the romantic relationship. Had you told anyone? Did you tell police? Told the police immediately. When? That was uh, the first night we were together. The, the police I spent um, with the police. You told them from, about her? Yeah, from December 24th on. Did your wife find out about it? I told my wife. When? In um, early December. Did it cause a rupture in the marriage? It was not um, a positive, obviously. It's a, you know, inappropriate. Um, but it was not something that we weren't um, dealing with. A lot of arguing? No. No. Um, I, I, you know, I can't say that, that even, you know, she was okay with the idea. But... Uh, it wasn't anything that would break us apart. There wasn't a lot of anger? No. Do you really expect people to believe that an eight-and-a-half-month pregnant woman learns her husband has had an affair and is saintly and casual about it? Accommodating? Makes a peace with it? Well, I, yeah, I, you don't know. No one knows our relationship but us. That's at peace with it, not happy about it. Why did you tell her? It was the right thing. There's no other reason than that. And did you see her again after you told Lacey? Yes. You saw Amber again? I did. But didn't tell her. Didn't tell Lacey. Didn't tell Amber. No, no. No, yeah.
that was definitely not the right thing. Because again, you know that people sitting at home have imagined that either you were in love with someone else, mm -hmm. therefore you decided to get rid of this entanglement, namely your wife and your child, or there was just an angry confrontation. Modesto, California is a beautiful city. The weather and the proximity to the ocean make it a great place to live, a great place to raise a family, and grow old. Violent crime is very low in Modesto, but keep your vehicle parked in the garage if you can, as Modesto has one of the highest percentages of vehicle thefts in our nation. Lacey Denise Roca was born in 1975, the daughter of Sharon and Dennis. Lacey grew up in Modesto. Her parents split up when she was very young, and her mother went on to remarry. Her stepfather was a dairy farmer, so Lacey was raised on a farm. Now, she had an older brother, Brent, and a younger half-sister, Amy. Lacey was a cheerleader in high school and majored in horticulture at California Polytech Institute in San Luis Obispo. Scott Lee Peterson was born in 1972 in San Diego, California to Lee Arthur Peterson, a businessman who owned a crate packaging company, and Jackie Helen Latham, who owned a boutique called The Put-On. Lee and Jackie had six children from previous relationships. Scott was their only child together. Almost like the Brady Bunch. Now, Scott took to playing golf at an early age, a result of time spent with his father, by age 14, he could beat his father in a round of golf. For a time, he had dreams of becoming a professional golfer like Phil Mickelson, who was his teammate at the University of San Diego High School. By the end of high school, he was one of the top junior golfers in San Diego, and in 1990, Peterson enrolled at Arizona State University, where Mickelson had also enrolled, on a partial golf scholarship. Mickelson would go on to become a very highly successful PGA golfer. And later, Lee Peterson would state that his son was discouraged by the considerable competition that Mickelson presented at Arizona State. So eventually, Scott Peterson would transfer out of Arizona State, and he found his way to California Polytech State University, where, as stated, Lacey was attending school. He initially planned to major in international business, but changed his major to agricultural business. Professors who taught Scott described him as a model student, and his agro-business professor, Jim Ahern, commented, I wouldn't mind having a class full of Scott Petersons. So Scott and Lacey met while they were both attending Cal Poly. Scott was working as a waiter at the Pacific Cafe, Scott took Lacey's order, and she was so attracted to him that she asked a friend to give Peterson her phone number. They began dating, and on their first date, they went deep-sea fishing, in which Lacey got seasick. Well, that should have been a sign to her. The couple dated for two years and eventually moved in together. Now, in 1997, after Lacey graduated, they married at Sycamore Mineral Springs Resort. Scott would have to stay in college and finish his senior year. Meanwhile, Lacey took a job. 
After Scott graduated, the Petersons opened up a sports bar called The Shack. The business was initially slow, but eventually improved, especially on weekends. The Petersons later sold The Shack in 2000 when they moved to Lacey's hometown of Modesto to start their family. In October of 2000, they purchased a three-bedroom home for $177,000 on Covina Avenue in an upscale neighborhood near Le Loma Park. Lacey started working part-time as a substitute teacher. Scott got a job at Trade Corp USA, a newly founded subsidiary of a Spanish fertilizer company. The company was trying to establish a customer base in the U.S. and hired Scott as their West Coast representative. Mm -hmm. Working on a salary plus commission base, Peterson sold fertilizer, irrigation systems, chemical nutrients, and related products to big farms and flower growers primarily in California, Arizona, and New Mexico. Lacey, she worked enthusiastically at being the perfect housewife, enjoying cooking and entertaining their friends. In 2002, she was excited when she found out she was pregnant. The baby was due February 10th, 2003. Now, on December 24th, 2002, mm-hmm. it's Christmas Eve, and Lacey was eight months pregnant with the couple's first child, whom they had already named Connor. The nursery was ready for the baby, painted blue and decorated with a nautical theme. According to Scott, he and Lacey woke together at their home in Modesto, California. After eating breakfast and watching some TV, Scott was going to spend part of the day fishing. He left the house at 9.30 a.m. Just before leaving, Scott was seen in the driveway loading umbrellas into his truck. Mm-hmm. They had, like, the outside umbrellas... He had three of them, and he was going to take them to his warehouse. He had a warehouse that he would work out of. And we know it was him because it was the next-door neighbor that saw him, and they exchanged a quick wave hello. Mm -hmm. Lacey told him she was going to mop the floor, take the dog for a walk, you know, do some normal household things. Yeah, they have a party, a family party they're going to attend to later that day. Now, Scott first drove to his nearby warehouse to send emails and retrieve his boat. So this warehouse is where he worked out of, and not only would he read some and send some emails, but he also assembled something for work. Yeah, it was a saw. After he hooks up the boat and the trailer to his truck, he's going to head out to Berkeley Marina, which is about 86 miles away. Scott goes fishing for about 90 minutes. Then, at 2.17 p.m., Scott left this voicemail on Lacey's cell phone. Hi, beautiful. I just left you a message at home, 215. I'm leaving Berkeley. I won't be able to get to Villa Farms to get the basket for Papa. I was hoping you would get this message and go out there. I'll see you in a little bit, sweetie. I love you. Bye. Scott returned his boat to the warehouse. He did stop off for gas, and then he went home to an empty house, and he showered. He says he got home around or about 430. Scott noticed Lacey's vehicle still at the house, as well as her purse and car keys. Scott did some laundry, washing the clothes he wore that day as they were dirty from working and fishing. About an hour passes, and Scott said that he just assumed Lacey went to her mother's house, that Mm -hmm. the mother-in-law had come by and picked her up. So he calls his mother-in-laws, asking and looking for his wife. She says he's not there, and then a half an hour later, Lacey's stepfather called 911 to report that Lacey was missing. 
Of course, we should say that the neighbor found their dog, the Peterson's dog, still wearing a leash and wandering in front of the house by itself. Uh, There's conflicting reports on what I could find as to an exact time of what time the neighbor believes they found the dog. But what I have is that it was in the 11 o'clock, I'm sorry, 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock hour. Yeah, a lot of people suspect based on her uh, receipts and errands that she ran that day, it would have been about 10, 18. The police were acting on this call, this missing persons call immediately. And Scott first met Modesto police on the day that Lacey went missing at a nearby park where he was there supposedly looking for Lacey. Uh, This was a park where she was known to have walked the dog. And as Lacey's husband, Scott was immediately on the police's radar. Now, police gave Scott opportunities to be forthcoming with information, and Scott was cooperative, at least in the beginning. Scott allowed them to search their home. This was very quickly after Lacey was reported missing. Right. The authorities also searched Peterson's pickup truck, toolbox, warehouse, and boat. Now, Scott answered their questions, I guess the best that he could. Police noted Scott's strange behavior, such as how he couldn't remember the kind of bait he was using when he was supposedly out there fishing that morning. Right. Nor did he know what kind of fish he was fishing for. So on on top of that, his boat is made for fresh water and he was in the San Francisco Bay, which is salt water. So I think a little explanation is needed here. Um, (laughs) we have this, this man, Scott Peterson, who says that on Christmas Eve, rather than spending the day with my wife, who's expecting our child, I decided to go out fishing. Now we can't, we're not going to crucify anybody for that. Okay. Maybe that was Sean, man. Maybe that was something that was agreed upon between the two of them. And, uh, he was eager to try out this boat or to be out on the boat and fishing. The mm-hmm. thing that's strange here, though, for me, Captain, is he's out by himself. And again, he doesn't know what kind of bait he's using. He doesn't know what kind of fish he's fishing for. Um, well, on, on top of that, you have a boat that is, again, made for fresh water and you're in salt water. Mm-hmm. It's also a nine foot long boat, I believe. And, and it's not that type of boat is not commonly used in that type of water. Not, not just the salt water, but in the conditions that the San Francisco Bay is normally in. It's not meant for that. And it's not, like you said, it's not a very big boat. And the other thing too, I remember when news of this story broke, I just assumed that Scott was a avid fisherman. And it turns out that he's, he's not, he, he doesn't, you know, he's not uh, a weekend warrior that goes out all the time. No, but he, he did fish in his past and that, that was something people did know that he has done. Right. Right. But like I said, my expectations when the, when the news broke was, I was like, oh, well, this guy probably goes out fishing all the time. They're calling this into question and maybe it shouldn't be called into question. The guy didn't, didn't know what kind of fish he was fishing for in that area nor what bait to use Mm. during that particular trip. But what he could offer up was uh, proof that he was on his boat and that he went to the Berkeley Marina. And evidence of such was a launch ticket receipt from the marina. Right, because you have to put your boat into the water. And so when when you go to do that, you have to get a launch ticket. Now, what's important in this story is to know what is said. 
and it's the little details. So let, let's just stay with on December 24th, the call is made to the uh, mother and father-in-law. Scott's going to call his mother and father-in-law. They're the ones that, that are going to call 911 saying, hey, our daughter's missing. She's been missing since roughly 930. Our son-in-law went golfing. Mm-hmm. Okay. They didn't say he went fishing. He says he went fishing. They say he went golfing. Mm-hmm. Scott then goes next door and starts knocking on the neighbors, asking if anybody's seen Lacey. Nobody has seen her. He goes to the park. This is when he meets up with the police officers. They take him downtown. Now, normally in a missing person case, when they're talking to the husband, they don't record the initial interview. But for whatever reason that day, the police decided we're going to um, record this. In that, they ask him, is there any problems with the marriage? He says, absolutely none. They say, do you mind taking a polygraph the following day on Christmas? He says, no problem at all. I will take one. Right. And we also know that they searched the Peterson house that day as well. Yeah. So let's go through that a little bit in better detail. So there are a lot of reports out there. (laughs) I lead into that captain, but I say there are a lot of reports out there. There's like a million different stories, you know, online newspaper. This was huge news. It's not even just fair to say big news. This was, Mm -hmm. this was known in other countries um, and followed by people in other countries. Well, and a lot of that because is because there's a normally a very slow, news cycle around the holidays. And so when this broke, when this story broke, a lot of reporters were thinking, Hey, this is, this is our next OJ. This is our next John Benet Ramsey case. Well, and the thing here too is in some of those reports, actually in a good amount of those reports that I read says Peterson reported his wife is missing. Peterson reported Lacey missing and we, you and I know that not to be true. Now that may not mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but just so we're clear, he's not the one that called police. It was in fact his father-in-law, which again, I think you can't look into too much because, Hey, uh, I'm a little nervous. Let's call the cops. And Scott says, okay, well I'll go next door and start knocking on the doors. And the other thing, too, is where, even I said it this way, uh, Scott met the officers at the park Mm -hmm. where Lacey typically would walk the dog. My understanding of it is that his father-in-law, Lacey's stepfather, insisted that they send an officer over to that area, to that neighborhood, to ask Scott for the details. So I don't know, I can't say 100% if Scott willingly knew he was meeting the police officer or officers at the park, or like you said, he's out looking in the neighborhood for his wife and happens to come across the officer that was sent by the stepfather who insisted that the officers go out there. So basically the story that Scott is telling that we can, there's some evidence that possibly he's telling the truth. I mean, he talks about uh, what they did in the morning, what he did when he got home, So when he talks about, like, she was going to mop, and when he got home, he found the mop in the bucket, so he dumps out the the bucket and uh, puts the mop back in, but he leaves it outside. That's something that the police found at their home. Right. Uh, They also find the bed is made. They find the clothes that she supposedly was wearing the day before are in the hamper. 
uh, they find a bench that is out and, you know, hair tools to, uh, that's probably the worst way to call it, hair tools. I, I saw Honey, one report. You put your hair tools away. I saw one report that it was a curling iron. Other reports say maybe it was uh, curls, curlers. Right, I guess and I you would say. also believe that he says, you know, I might have ate a piece of pizza for breakfast, but I ate one when I got home from fishing. When I took a shower, they find his clothes in the washer. They find evidence that he did have pizza at some point. So Yeah, it, the, I guess a pizza box was found either on the counter or on the table. Right, and then I believe he also explains to him, I found the dog in the backyard with the leash on. Mm-hmm. So... Some of these things that he is stating, parts of the story that he believes happen, uh, there's evidence of such. Yes, and further evidence would be that Scott shows the police his work computer at some point, and their law enforcement, they saw the time-stamped work emails. Yeah, eventually they're going to go to his work warehouse. The first time that they go to the work warehouse, he claims that the power is out. Now, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, uh, but they end up, opening up the there's a I, I believe the way it works and they they say it's in a strip mall but I think it's more of a like a, one of these smaller warehouse strips and so you have a, a a door that goes into your office and you then you have almost like a bay you have a, mm-hmm. a garage door that would come up yeah it, it looks exactly like that that it's a big warehouse that's separated into these smaller units that are rented out or it's some kind of storage facility. You know, some people work out of those self-storage units. The two big things here, though, that we can prove he's not lying about is the big actions of his day. One, he did go to work, as he said. And two, he was definitely on his boat at some point that day. Yeah. And I believe that marina ticket was for, I think it was 1130-ish uh, that day. And yes, then we so They're guessing that he was on the boat for about about 90 minutes, yeah. The police check the computers at the house as well. Now, here is something interesting. Scott said that he thought Lacey was doing some online shopping that morning, the morning that she went missing, and police check her computer, and they are able to confirm that Lacey had, in fact, done some shopping, uh, that there was a purchase made on her computer, and this would have been at like 8 to 8.30 that morning. Yeah. And... Police also were told by Scott that Lacey was watching Martha Stewart when he had left the house. Yeah, and he actually knew some of these details as well about about what they were talking about during the show. Now, Captain, two things that I want to point out. One, with the police response, they immediately went into action. And you talked about, hey, they usually don't, you know, well, sit people down to a conf- you know a, right. a formal interview and videotape the interview. But as you were about to say, we both believe that they went into an immediate response because this is an eight month pregnant woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's likely what drove them to go into this so quickly. Now regarding their interview with Scott Peterson and recording this interview, part of me has to wonder if you have her parents saying, well, he came back from golfing and noticed that his wife was not home and missing and he's telling police that he went out fishing. Well, regardless of how that went down or how the parents came to believe that he was out golfing, right. immediately that's a huge red flag. This guy may not have been where 
he claimed to have been, even if it's that he told somebody else he went golfing. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. 
Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart protein plus and keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Captain. Now, here is where things could get a little tricky, okay? Because apparently there was a robbery at one of the Peterson's neighbor's house. Now, some of these reports say Christmas Eve, but we have the police that would say the home across the street owned by Rudy and Suzanne Medina was robbed two days after Lacey disappeared. There are several witnesses that would say the robbery happened and occurred on December 24th, the day that Lacey went missing. Right. Now, we also have a neighbor. This is Diane Jackson, who says she saw three suspicious-looking men at the Medina's house. Police later arrested two men in connection to the robbery. Yeah. Some have suggested that the police should have treated the men as possible suspects in Lacey's and Connor's disappearance. We also have sightings of Lacey after Scott left the house at 9.30 a.m. Back to the guys that broke into the house. Mm -hmm. Once they kind of knew that they were had, right? Like, we're going to get in trouble for breaking into this house. They both stated we had nothing to do with the pregnant girl. Mm-hmm. We had nothing to do with that. Right. Because they're seeing this on the news at this time and probably panicking, even if it was, in fact, two days after. One also could wonder why do we not know if it's the 24th, 25th, or 26th? Well, the problem was that the people that lived in that house, they left. Mm-hmm. They went uh, you know, somewhere else for the holidays. So they were gone for a few days. So that's another reason why there's discrepancy there. Regarding the sightings of Lacey, there were 11 witnesses that said that they saw Lacey on Christmas Eve morning. 
some claiming to have seen her walking her dog. Now, this is a bold statement, and it doesn't actually seem so bold once you dive into it a bit. Because, Captain, 11 people coming forward saying, we saw this woman who goes missing after her husband left the house for the day, and we saw her walking her dog. That's 11 people, right? Right. I couldn't find 11 actual reports of people saying, I saw Lacey Peterson walking her dog after 930. What reports I could find were things like this. We have one report where a woman states that she saw a woman walking her dog who was involved in some kind of verbal altercation with some men. This woman decides not to report this, not to offer any help, but later reports that it's Lacey Peterson walking her dog. In actuality, she reports having seen a woman walking her dog. Right. We also have reports that state a woman matching that description and a dog matching that description were seen by people later that day. So we don't have anybody specifically that I could find. Now, my caveat here is I did not find all 11 reports, but at no point did I find anybody stating naming her by name. So... I question a lot of these sightings. And again, we have discrepancy as to when a home was broken into, uh, what day that could have taken place. There's a lot going on at the holidays. There's a lot going on in this investigation. There are people that are not spoken to immediately. And sometimes we have a hard time getting things confused about dates and times. Well, on top of that, it's not like she just walked the dog that day. And that's the only day she's ever walked a dog. She typically walked the dog every day. So we also have police questioning Scott Peterson's behavior, things that he's doing, things that he's not doing. And why his face looks like a turtle. I think we should talk about Scott's demeanor. And the way that the police regard this is they state he looks extremely casual during the times we spoke with him during the questioning. And what they mean by that is at no point is he fist to the table saying, let's get back out there and look for my wife. You know, what are you doing to find my wife? He's just sitting back very casually in his chair. He's almost, you know, he's not even leaning forward to uh, be aggressive towards the officers anyway. He's, if you watch the the videos, he's very relaxed and he seems like he almost seems tired. Yeah. I mean, well, he, he did have a long day, but on top of that, it's, I think he's trying to be cooperative, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I mean, I I guess you're supposed to be yelling and screaming at people to find your wife. I don't know that you are. I'm just kind of thinking how I think it would go down if I were in that situation. And yeah, but I think that's where we get in trouble with some of these stuff as we go. Oh, well, there, there's a difference between somebody acting odd and somebody not acting the way you would act. You know what I mean? I agree, but I still found his... I find him to be acting strangely one. And, and this is not just me stating this. This is the police saying this as well. We, we didn't understand his behavior. He was overly casual. He also didn't offer up where or what the police should and how they should prioritize their investigation. You know, where, where should we be looking for her? Scott, right. uh, is there anybody that we should be talking to? Does she have any, you know, he doesn't have any information to offer them. Now, Scott does, in his defense, as you stated earlier, he does agree to take a polygraph test. 
Apparently, the way this goes down the is the next that, day. He's going to take it the next day. Yeah, but I think I don't know that that's at his request or at the police's request. The re, but but the end result is that he ends up calling them the next morning and says, "Yeah, I'm not coming in for that polygraph test." Right now, and at this point, he gets a lawyer. Yes, and and again, I should be you know you're you're doing a good job of um, presenting the other side or trying to understand the other side. And I do want to be clear here because I've said plenty of times on this show that if I were in this situation, I would not agree to a polygraph. You have nothing to gain in my opinion. So I don't want it to sound like I'm fault faulting him, you know, where the police did very verbally and publicly state, Hey, look, this guy won't even take a polygraph test. Well, I think it's a little, that's their words. Yeah. But I think, I, I think the difference is when you got an individual that's very calm answering your questions you think he's being truthful yeah you say hey do you mind taking a polygraph he says absolutely not and the next day he says absolutely i'm not going to take one <laughs> and change my mind i changed my mind and all oh, by the way i'm going to get a lawyer so that's i mean again and but some of his story just starts not lining up well i i think captain what i see is a guy that uh, he's a squirmer. He, in, in any kind of verbal situation, well, I, if he needs to, he, he, I think he thinks he can squirm his way out of it. Yeah. But squirm, I don't know if squirm is the right way because, because he, you know, he's so fat Joe, right? Lean back, lean back, lean back that, that when people ask him questions, he takes his time, you know what I mean? And so, by doing that, he he can get out of the answer. He can he can just manipulate the uh, the phrasing here and there. Do, does that make any sense? Um, I, I I see both. I see a guy that that squirms his way out of answers and squirms his way into new answers. No, no, as no, well I, as somebody that that's not. Um, no, I get that part. What I'm saying is he doesn't do it super quickly. It's not like he jumps on. You know, he's he tries to stay level the whole mm -hmm. time. I mean, yes, is he switching answers here and there? Yes, but he, he tries to stay level because he. I think he thinks in his head, I'm smarter than these people. I just stay cool and calm, and I'll outsmart them. I also think that he didn't think he was going to have to answer so many questions or be under the microscope. So Right, because he established a alibi. The other thing that I found to be a strange interaction was the police come back and yeah, they looked at the home and walked through the home. And I, the way that I think that that went down, that it was a rather quick, brief walk around. Yeah. He did show them the home and rooms of that home the night that she went missing or the, you know, the Christmas Eve. Right. Um, they come back and we need to do a detailed search. We need to bring in forensics. We need to do everything we can. And we really need to search this home top to bottom, Scott Peterson. Right. And he says to him, well, you know, I can't allow you to do that without my lawyer present or, or without permission from my attorney. And well, actually what they did is they got a search warrant. And then when they went to a minister, right, right. they set him up. They, they set him yeah. up 100%. And that's the thing. They said, yeah, Scott, we don't need your permission. Here's our warrant. 
we're going to be they just wanted to see his reaction right they wanted to see if they would agree to search and he was pretty smug about saying eh, you know probably not going to let you do that and they go well cool we don't need your uh permission anyways because we got a search warrant you piece of shit well let's talk about this boat uh that scott owned because mm. i found this boat is a debate of great argument did Scott buy this boat and try to keep it a secret from Lacey and her family? That's one thought. And then there are others that say, no, he did not. Um, so what we do know is this. The boat was purchased with cash just a few weeks before Lacey went missing. So Scott paid $1,400 for the boat, the trailer, and a bunch of pretty good grade fishing equipment. Now, the fishing equipment is interesting here because Scott actually looked at three boats. He considered purchasing one of these three boats right this boat from my understanding captain is the only one that included good fishing equipment or any fishing equipment at all and what what people would say about that is that when given the option if you're buying a boat right with the intention of using it for the sole purpose of dumping a body or getting rid of a body you might want to get the a bigger boat than this small boat. It might be easier to do that in the bigger boat, but no, he chose the small boat with fishing equipment, or you might want to have purchased the cheaper boat, the cheapest boat that didn't include any fishing equipment because you're just using, you're not going to use it for fishing. Right. But in the end, he did buy the boat with the fishing equipment. Some people point out that that shows some intention or what his intentions were for the use of that boat. That proves nothing. Well, of course, but we're we're here to debate it, right? No, no, I'm. That's not a debate. That proves nothing. He bought a boat with cash. That's all it proves. There was some things added onto that boat, a trailer, you know, some fishing lures. That doesn't show his intent for the boat at all. The owner of the boat uh, sold the boat to Scott. He was the one that requested that Scott pay him cash for the boat. Now the boat, the, uh, I'm sorry, the cash was deducted from a joint bank account, which he shared with Lacey. Now there's also stories that Lacey went to the warehouse where the boat was stored when the boat was stored there. Yeah. It was uh, a few days before she went missing. She had to use the restroom and I don't think these warehouses had their own restrooms. Uh, that's what I'm guessing because she had to have somebody that worked at the warehouse, take her to the restroom. That's how they have a eyewitness that said, Hey, we saw Lacey here a few days before she went missing. Right. So people then claim if that's true, she knew about the boat again. She may not even, even gone into that particular warehouse into the, the unit that the boat was stored. Right. And he might never opened up the garage door. She might never have seen the boat. So that is not proof that she knew there was a boat. Scott purchased a registered boat rather than one that was not registered. People would state that that might be evidence that he wasn't trying to keep this boat secret. Okay, but nobody in the family knew about the boat. Right. There's no person. And and again, you can speculate that Lacey was at the warehouse so she knew about the boat or that he pulled money from their joint account and she knew about the boat. We have no proof. There is no evidence that she knew of this boat. Correct. There's only Scott stating that she knew about the boat. 
All right, and again, let's just, let's just get this on the table. Throughout the rest of the show, we're going to show the million lies that he has told. So just because he says anything, I will not believe it. So again, there is zero proof that Lacey Peterson knew about this boat that he was storing at uh, his work facility. And here's the other thing, too. There's a chance that Lacey, I don't know their financial situation, but there's a chance that she may not notice $1,400 missing from their joint account. There's also a chance that he pulled out the money and told her he had to use it for something else. Right. This is a known liar. On top of that, she is a substitute teacher. They don't make that great of money. I mean, all teachers, period, are underpaid. Shout out to all the teachers. You're doing great work. Keep it up. The captain approves. So if he's making more money than her, and again, he has to pull it out. Hey, honey, I needed to use it for this. Or honey, I needed to use it for this. I mean, there is, again, there's zero proof that she knew about this boat. Well, and an obvious lie that he could tell her is he traveled for work, you know, and there are expenses that come with that. And he could say, look, I'm, I haven't been reimbursed for these expenses yet, or I need to spend this money for work for this purpose. And they are going to reimburse me soon. Right. Again, he's, but he's a known liar. Who knows what lie he, he, he told her. Now, could have told her. Scott would later tell Lacey's mother that Lacey knew about the boat. And the reason why she and he kept the boat secret was because the boat was purchased for a gift for Lacey's father. Yeah. And it's technically her, her stepfather. Right. But her parents got split up. So she was very young. She was raised by this man. Yeah. And so it was going to be a gift. Again, I think she could have told a friend or, or 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 another family member about this this present you'd think they would be should be so excited you know to keep a secret for a few weeks you know who knows well that's that's interesting that you say that because regardless if it was a gift or not this is not yeah. a boat that she that Lacey discussed with anybody with any of her friends, with any of her family. And that's why I said people have to keep in their mind that there is zero evidence, there is zero proof that she knew about this boat. I actually think that had she known about the boat, uh, depending on how often she was hanging out with friends or family, I think it would have came up. And and what I mean by that is we have a guy that's golfing a lot. He also travels for work a lot. And they have a baby on the way. I... I would think whether it be husband or wife that the the person on the receiving end of that is going, well, he golfs a lot. He's away for work at times. We've got a baby on the way and now he just bought a boat. Right. <laughs> right. Or, or the fact that your baby's due, you know, in a month, month and a half and, and you're spending this extra money that we don't need to spend on a boat. Okay. Yeah. And her father her stepfather, however you want to look at it, he already had a boat. And this guy was an avid fisherman. Right. He had a big, nice fishing boat. He didn't have this little boat that Scott Peterson had purchased for $1,400. Well, again, this is a bullshit story, and this is why. Because if I you know, bought uh, a boat for uh, my father, let's say, I don't have that kind of cash, but if I, oh, shit, I he doesn't deserve a boat. But if I had the cash, right, and I bought the boat, 
I'm not testing out the boat. I'm not. Oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I went on my boat again. You're telling a bunch of people, you're telling law enforcement, you're telling all these people you went out on your boat, but, but then later you go, well, but it, it's not really my boat. We bought it for Lacey's father. Okay. Give me a break. It's one or the other. Right, it's either your boat or it's his boat, and if it's his boat, yeah, but we, you're again, not going to take again, it out though, that, Christmas Eve. That's that's kind of falling into the realm of what you would do compared to what you think would that, be odd behavior, and, yeah. and and as well as it's not no what I find really proof odd, that he right, but what I find odd behavior is calling it your boat and then saying it was actually for, for somebody else. Okay. That's what I find to be odd behavior. The FBI and the Modesto Police Department performed forensic searches of the Peterson home. The FBI also conducted mitochondrial DNA testing on a hair that was found in pliers on uh, Peterson's fishing boat that linked them to hairs recovered from Lacey's hairbrush. Right. Should we go into detail about that? Because I don't think it's just that cut and dried, is it? Because what we do know about these hairs or this hair was they state that they belong. Some reports state that they belong to Lacey Peterson. Right. The truth of the matter is what they could prove was they didn't belong to Scott. They're close enough is what law enforcement said. They, the wording is they're consistent with hairs uh, belonging to Lacey Peterson. Right. So they can't rule her out. But at the same token, they probably could include a whole bunch of other people uh, as not being able to rule them out. You're right, and then the people on the other side will say, hey, this is uh, the guy's wife. He should have hairs on him, hairs of her uh, on his shirt, hairs of him uh, or hairs of her in his car, hairs of her on a boat, which we don't even know if she knew about or saw. Yes. If you're married to somebody and you spend a bunch of time with them, you probably have some hairs of theirs on you, right? That doesn't mean you're going to find their hair in pliers. So I, I think this is a damning piece of evidence, but let's continue. What uh, The other thing that I thought was interesting that they found in his warehouse was the concrete. There was a, a wood area, almost like a wood bench. They found a homemade anchor that he made for his boat. And basically what you do is you take um, concrete mix, put it in a little tub, add the water, stir that up, and then you put either like a hook or you take a piece of like rebar and you bend that and you put that into the concrete and then when, once it dries, you pull it out of the tub. Right. The interesting thing is he did make one. We have evidence that he made one. We see one in his boat. Odd thing about that, though, is there's no rope attached to it. So I don't know if you know how anchors work, but you can't just drop, you know, this heavy piece of concrete if it's not tied to a rope. So he had this anchor that there was no rope with, and they believe that he made more than one. Based off the extra residue and the extra... Because uh, the concrete is a powder that mm. they think that possibly he made four to five, maybe more. Yeah, it depends on who you talk to. So some would say he made one and others would say, like you said, as many as four or five. We have proof he made one for sure. 
Right. Of course. But the where where the higher numbers come from is that on that workbench there were rings. There were additional rings uh, where it looked like somebody had made four or five of these and then a ring had dried, like a residue ring had dried on this workbench, indicating that he was drying as many as four or five at one time. Right. Or after shortly after they had dried. I've never made one of these molds in a in a bucket or a pitcher or whatever they want to claim they were made in. I've made concrete molds before, but not a homemade anchor. Okay. Can you pull, you don't pull it out until it's dried though, right? Yeah. I mean, you could do it when it's like semi-dried. I mean, that's probably the best way because sometimes you can use like, let's say you're using like a old Tupperware or like a uh, plastic bowl that like maybe butter comes in. Mm -hmm. Then if it dries, it doesn't matter. You're just going to break that that bowl off but if you're going to reuse that bowl you pull it you know pull it out a little earlier and then if you set it down somewhere to dry it could very likely leave a ring where it was resting yeah okay yeah. so under that situation that's what they claim that there was enough rings on this workbench to indicate that he had made four or five of these homemade anchors right and i i think it's really important keep in your head that there is one of the anchors that he made in his boat that is not attached to anything, no rope. I, I just think that's a important piece of evidence. Right. I, I do too. And I think that's interesting that you point that out. I was unaware that there was no rope connecting it to something in the boat. Or and, and here's, here's why it's important. Because if it's not tied and it's not being used as an anchor, it's being used as something else. And that's all you need to know. All right. Next, next piece. So we should point out at this point that from the moment of Lacey's disappearance, the Roca family, Lacey's mother, stepfather and brother and half sister repeatedly spoke to the media in a teary eyed manner. Uh, viewers have come to expect from loved ones in crisis. The family publicly supported her husband and defended his innocence the public's view of Scott Peterson was a different story. Now on December 31st, 2002, the town of Modesto held a public vigil for Lacey and Connor. Scott declined to speak at the vigil, but he was in attendance. And so were photographers who captured him in what some would claim were two damning photos. And one picture Scott bends down alongside his niece to set down a candle a big smile comes across his face. In a second picture, he is standing with some people and laughing. Now, this behavior at the vigil for his missing wife and unborn child uh, were see received to be bad acts by this guy. Some explained that Scott Peterson's demeanor was simply aloofness. Uh, we do know, as we pointed out, everyone handles things differently, and there is no guidebook on how to behave when one's eight month pregnant wife goes missing. Yeah. And the difficult thing here though, too, is if you're at a event for hours and hours, it's somebody that you, you know, somebody that you care about. Are they going to come up? Maybe they say, Hey, I'm sorry. We're going to find her, hug it out. And then they say something silly, trying to make you laugh, trying to make you smile. So that is a possibility. And you get one or two pictures it's not like you got 5,000 pictures of this guy just you know, making jokes all day. Right. But quickly, there was media scrutiny. 
there was Nancy Grace and the public did start to turn on Scott. Mm -hmm. And this was thought because he wasn't sad enough or he wasn't panicked enough. And in the general public, for the most part, they just didn't believe him. Well, he's also not being out in front of the media. He's not doing interviews. He's not doing the press conferences. It's almost like he doesn't want to be seen. And there's a lot of other weird stuff. I mean, if, if you have, if you haven't seen gone girl, it's a great fictional story, but if that is not based off of this, then I don't know what it's based off of. I mean, I think, I think she basically took that story and uh, took the Scott Peterson, Lacey Peterson story and ran with it. They have a search site set up. One of the things that who's doing that I find particularly odd is that they're putting up all these pictures of Lacey and anytime there's a picture put up of him and her, he's taking it down. And when they'd catch him taking it down, he'd go, it's just too hard to, to look at this. You mean, you mean that because he's not in front of the media, that statement, what? the gone girl statement. Well, no, the, I think the whole story of Scott Peterson and Lacey Peterson, I think they, I think, uh, Gillian Flynn, I believe is her right. name. I think she took the whole idea of this story and turned it into a book. I mean, we have a, but wasn't that a fake disappearance? It, well, spoiler alerts. Well, I mean, you're, but you're claiming that you, that, that one may have been taken from the other, but they're different stories. Not, not the first half of it. So I, Sorry, I was just trying to get some clarification as to if you read the first half of the book, it's pretty much the Scott Peterson story. Right. That's what I was asking. You mean right. him not being forthcoming with the media, him not getting out in front of the media. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah, part, partly that. I mean, look, I mean, typically when there's a missing wife, it's the husband that's doing all the press conferences saying, Hey, help me find my wife. Hmm. I mean, we see that time and time again. In this case, he's not even there. He's not even on stage. Like they're doing a press conference and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to be on stage. Right. Anytime that they, for, for the first week or so, they're only showing pictures of her because, because he, he's controlling them. because he's not letting the media have pictures of him and her together. Mm -hmm. I, so again, there's no rules on how you're supposed to act, how, how you're supposed to act. But I find that a little strange. Of course, of course. And later we would learn that Scott Peterson did something else during Lacey and Connor's vigil as well. Uh, he called his girlfriend, uh, and this is Amber Fry. Is <laughs> dun, it Frey dun, dun. or Fry? It's Fry. Okay. Well, let's go back though, because the visual, the vigil. Mm -hmm. yeah, I screw that word up every time. Is how many days afterwards? It's, well, uh, she was. According to Scott, she was alive and well the morning of the 24th, and the vigil was held on New Year's Eve on the 31st. Right. Now, I think this is something that people glaze over a lot. Two days after she goes missing, Scott Peterson, he orders porn. Mm -hmm. And I think the day after he orders porn. He orders porn multiple times. I don't think he... I don't think there's a record of him ever ordering porn before. 
Yeah, I'm not certain how this works or what he did exactly. The way the, the reports that I read was that he purchased two channels. So I don't know if that's just something you pay for on a monthly basis and it's there. Give me the channel. All I, the time. Yeah. I, like I need it 24-7. It doesn't... It, it's very clear to me, Captain, that this wasn't like he ordered a movie and then the movie is starts and it finishes and then he's, you know, that's it and that's all. Because he then later, weeks later, canceled these two channels. Right. So this is, that's like me getting the NFL network. At some point you have to call back and cancel before it comes off your bill and, and off wore, of your TV. He wore himself out because he wasn't going to the press conferences. He wasn't out looking for his wife. He was wearing himself out playing a game of, Flicky, flicky. Yeah, but that by that point too, I think it was public knowledge that he had ordered those channels, and he's like, "Well, I should. <laughs> I probably, yeah, maybe I should. Maybe get I should rid get of rid of these. Yeah, um, because look, your wife is again. There's no rules on how things work, but your wife, your pregnant wife, months away from having your first child, she goes missing, and you decide it's time to pull the pud. Well, it's time to pull out the old purple headed yogurt slinger. I mean, come on, man. You, this is that that would be the furthest thing from your mind. Back to the gone girl thing comparison. Both of them had a girlfriend. Well, the thing, too, is and I know we keep we, we need to quit harping on this because I know there is no set rule of how to behave and act in this difficult situation. However, I think it's a fair statement for us to say we can, as reasonable adults, sit back, observe what's going on and make an, a personal judgment, make a personal judgment of, yeah, this seems a little weird. Yeah. And is it, is it proof of anything? No, but I, I'm going to state this. Is it proof of anything? No, but I still think that it goes in the category of evidence. Well, of course, and, and it ultimately will when it comes to trial. Uh, okay, let's introduce Amber Fry here. She's a massage therapist, a single mom. Yeah. Um, she was introduced to Scott by a friend. This was in November of 2002. Yeah, so basically how this goes down is that Scott hits on the friend at a work conference, and she was in a relationship. So she says, sorry, Scott, no thanks, but I have a friend you might like. Are you sure it went down that way? Because here's the yes. way I think it went down. I think he's hitting on this woman that's in a relationship, and his way of extending the offer is by saying, hey, I know you know that I'm married, but do you have any friends that I could meet? I think that's his his casual way of being slick and sly and offering himself up to that woman. No, he didn't tell her he was married. Okay. He didn't tell this woman that he was hitting on that he was married. No. She didn't know. No, it was, I am trying to get with you. And she's like, yeah. You're no, not I really get that. Me, but but you, I have a friend. I get that. But I, I, so, right. I think there's a chance she may have known. No, because why would you say, hey, buddy of mine, Amber Fry? You're a single mom working your butt off. You know, instead of going out and finding a, a nice single man, here's this guy I know that's married. Right. And, right. and so the, the way I heard it 
was he was hitting on this girl. She said, hey, no, I'm not really interested. You're not my type or whatever. Or she was in a relationship, but she said, hey, I have a friend you might like. That that makes a lot of sense. And I the reason I got confused here, Captain, was I know that at some point, Amber questions if Scott is in fact single. Right. He tells Amber he's single. She questions it. She goes to somebody that knew the both of them. I guess I just assumed it was her friend. Right. I don't think that it was because your logic makes 100%. Uh, that's got to be right. Mm-hmm. And she goes to somebody that they both know and says, hey, I I have some suspicions here. Is Scott Peterson single? And this person says, you're going to need to talk to Scott. Right. Right, right. And and I think the thing, though, too, is when they first started hanging out, she asked him, uh, you know, have you ever been married? He says no. He then later tells her that he was married. In early December of 2002, the two are photographed together at a holiday party. Now, according to Amber, Scott told her he was not married. Uh, and I know we're kind of going through that now, but... His explanation was that he had been too busy with work for a wife, children, or even a dog, which is funny and mm-hmm. and cruel on several levels because obviously Scott, when saying this, has a wife, has a child on the way, and a dog. Which if I'm not wrong, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I believe the picture that he's at this party with his mistress, with his um girlfriend he takes a picture at a christmas party and that same night lacy had a party that she attended alone okay so i mean like once that comes out in the media he just even looks more like a dirt bag in uh december 30th this is after seeing newspaper articles about lacy peterson's disappearance Amber Fry called a tip line and told police she was dating Scott Peterson. And she immediately began working with the police to pull whatever useful information she could out of her quote unquote boyfriend and secretly recording their calls. All in all, she would ultimately record over 29 hours of phone calls with Scott Peterson. Yeah. One of the things that you hear in the Diane Sawyer interview is he slips of the tongue a couple times uh at the point of the interview his wife is not found dead yet she is just missing Mm -hmm. and he says that Lacey was uh a kind person and then says is Mm -hmm. that's one of the slips the other slip is he says um you know the affair is wrong was wrong that's how he corrects it And the reason why I believe he said this is because even after she goes missing, he's still making contact on a daily basis, sometimes two to three calls a day. Now, to play devil's advocate, a lot of people argue that, well, the cops wanted her to try to get him to maybe confess or something. So they kind of pushed the issue. You know, she is making calls to him, but the majority of the calls that are happening, the communication, he is the one making the contact. Right, right. And actually, regardless of who's calling who, I mean, the report I read said that there were 
241 calls in the course of 93 days, I think. Yeah, and one of the things that we kind of skipped over because we're now, you know, at around the time, a couple days after uh, Lacey is missing, on December 9th is around the time that he actually comes clean with Amber and states, hey, yeah, I did lie to you about something. I need to tell you about something. And she goes, well, what is it? Well, I was married. Not married anymore. Implying that he's not married anymore, but he was married. And then she never really asked much about it because he says that he lost his wife. Uh, And then from December 9th to December 24th, it's going to come out that he lost his wife just before Christmas and this is going to be the first holiday that he spends alone. The first Christmas season without his wife. And I wonder, Captain, if that was triggered by that conversation she had with her friend. Hey, I wonder, Scott, is he telling the truth? Is he actually married? And that friend says, hey, you need to talk to Scott about that. That triggers that conversation. And here again, in my opinion, I I've, I see a guy kind of squirming his way out of it and saying, well, here's where the confusion comes in. I was married. Yeah, and I the you know, we've been studying this case all week and w- mainly because you know, the last case, the staircase, the Michael Peterson case, highly requested by listeners. Scott Peterson more so requested by listeners, and we decided, hey, we'll be clever, let's put them back to back. But never watch the Simpsons, right? But this episode, this last week, I'm, I was watching football, then it turns into The Simpsons. I'm kind of cleaning up my family room, and then I'm watching The Simpsons. And it's all about how Bart told a lie. And Lisa comes in there and says, Bart, it's not the first lie that gets you. It's the lies that you have to tell to cover up the first one. And I just thought that's so fitting that we're covering the Scott Pearson case this week because... It's the initial lie of saying, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have a dog. Turns into, well, now you think I'm married, so now I have to cover that up. I was married. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will also state that these statements on December 9th from him saying, hey, my wife went missing you know, before Christmas, that this is actually evidence of premeditation. Yeah, some kind of confession of future events that are going to take place. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing to me, though, is it's it's December 30th, and Amber Fry comes out. She contacts police, says, hey, I'm dating Scott Peterson, and then it's the next day, the next day, where Scott Peterson tells Amber he's ringing in the new year in Paris with friends when he's actually at Lacey Peterson's vigil. Right, so at that vigil we have the press taking a couple pictures of him smiling and, and saying, Oh, well, this is damning evidence. Again, I don't think that's evidence of anything because he could have been somber the whole time. What the damning piece of evidence is, is you're at a visual for your pregnant wife missing. And you call your girlfriend and tell her that you're at the Eiffel tower celebrating with friends and oh man ringing in the new year i mean to me that's evidence well and we have to keep in mind too 
that Scott Peterson and Lacey's family, neither of them know that the police are aware of Scott's affair or that Amber was recording their phone calls. Which is another lie that he says in the uh, Diane Sawyer interview. He states that he told the police December 24th right away about the affair, and that was a lie. Then in mid-January 2003, police learned that the National Enquirer had its in its possession a photo of Amber and Scott, and they intended to publish it. Right, so let's just break this down real quick, because one, right when they hear that Scott Peterson has a girlfriend, and this is coming from the guy that was like, right away, I thought something's fishy with Scott, something's not checking out. They go and start taping tape recording his phone conversations through like a little device that they got at radio shack. And I think it's working. They're getting a lot of calls. He's stating some weird stuff. We're getting some information out of Scott. Maybe this is going to be the smoking gun that we need. And then they get railed by the media to go, well, we now need to be in front of this. So they actually decide to hold a press conference, I believe. Well, and you can hear on those tapes, and I'm not going to have claimed to listen to all 29 hours of those tapes. You can find a good amount of them online. I've even read somewhere that you could find all of it. Um, but one thing I did notice in some of those interactions between Amber and Scott, you can hear she's questioning him of, well, so what happened? Where are they? Right. You know, and like you said, this might have been their best opportunity to get a confession from Scott Peterson or the tips and clues that they needed to at least find them. Yeah. And I think she also brings up the fact that that now to play devil's advocate, they only hung out a handful of times, but that doesn't make the affair less, you know, wrong, but they, they did only hang out a few times. Right. Um, but they had a lot of phone calls, uh, long calls, sometimes an hour long, sometimes longer than an hour. And they actually discuss kids and Scott stated multiple times. Nah, I just don't want kids. Yeah. You have a kid and that's cool. And she seems fine, but I'm, you know, I wouldn't want to have any more. On January 23rd, this is when Lacey Peterson's family says Scott Peterson told authorities he had been involved with another woman. And on January 24th, Amber revealed herself at a press conference and confessed that Scott Peterson had told her he was single. Lacey's family turned on Scott, and so, too, did the small army of volunteers who had been looking for Lacey. Well, right, and the... He claims that he actually followed another missing um, mother with a child case. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he claims is he never, he didn't want to bring this up because he stated that in this other case, that once that they, they found out that the husband had an affair, they stopped looking for the missing woman. And then they just assumed that she was murdered. And that that's what Scott Peterson said he was afraid of is that, once this came out in the media that this would um, get people to stop searching for her. And he was right on some level because this about around this time, the search teams and the, the volunteer uh, headquarters that they had put up kind of disbanded. 
Right. Well, and a, a big part of that, though, too, is those volunteers, they're not interested in looking anymore. They think they've, we know who did this. It's a matter of Peterson telling us what happened and where is Lacey? Where are they? In late January 2003, Scott Peterson's Good Morning America interview with Diane Sawyer went so terribly bad mm -hmm. that it calcified the public hatred against him. I mean, they, they said he's the most hated man in the world. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, America. For one thing, he lied to Sawyer when he said that he had told police about the affair, as you've pointed out, uh, and stating that he did that the day Lacey went missing. Mm -hmm. He had stated that uh, his marriage was fine when obviously we now know that he's having an affair. He tells Sawyer well, that marriage was fine for him, that Lacey knew about his affair with Amber and she was, quote, okay with it, unquote. Yeah. A yes. statement that just about threw Nancy Grace into a fit. I want to point out something here. That We're, Nancy Grace is actually awesome to listen to when she's talking about Scott Peterson. Well, no, I want to point out some of his words and actions again that I find to be difficult to sit through mm -hmm. and difficult to agree with. Let's think about this just for a second. Using his words... As you stated, we'll point out a million times that this guy's a liar. We now know, obviously, that a lot of these statements are not true. But let's say that we're in the let's say we're in the heat of the moment. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and we're going to listen to his words, and we're going to take that into account and mm -hmm. come up with a conclusion. Okay, his statement is that I told police about the affair immediately. Mm -hmm. My wife knew about the affair, and she was quote unquote okay with it. He also tells Diane Sawyer that he was not in love with Amber Fry mm -hmm. and that he des had nothing to do with the disappearance of his wife, soon to be mother, and was desperately looking for her. If all of those things were true, if all of those things were true, mm -hmm. why at any point didn't you say to Amber Fry, I cannot spend time with you, I cannot talk to you on the phone, or... Or at the very least say, I can spend time with you and I can talk to you on the phone. But by the way, my wife is missing, right? She's missing. Well, he does state that she's missing at some point once they once. I mean, at some point, Amber does confront him and say, hey, I know you're lying. No, no, no. I, I know that. But what I'm talking about is on December 24th. December 25th, December 26th, right. 27th, so on and so forth. He had multiple days before she started working with the police. Right. And he claims all of this stuff to be true, factual, in his opinion. I told the police about the affair. Mm -hmm. The affair. My wife My, was fine right. with the affair. Mm -hmm. I had nothing to do with the disappearance of Lacey. Mm -hmm. I did not love the woman I'm having an affair with. But I loved my wife and I desperately want to find her. If all those things were true, any man, any woman with their spouse missing would have said to the other individual before she had to find out by seeing his picture in a newspaper. Well, what you're saying makes a ton of sense. And the reason why is because it's going to be harder for you to come out and tell your wife, Hey, I'm having an affair. It's going to be hard for you to come out and tell the cops, Hey, my wife's missing, but shit, by the way, I'm a piece of shit dude. And I'm having an affair, right? that's that's difficult what's not that difficult is telling the person that you had an affair with hey my wife's missing i told the cops about you and I've, i already told my wife about you so i think your point is very valid 
I think that's uh, that's something I haven't even thought of. Blowing my mind. What people found most damning about the interview was Scott referred to his missing wife in the past tense, saying Lacey was amazing. Thanks to everybody for joining us in the garage. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for leaving your five-star reviews on iTunes. We will see you back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.